Welcome to the Vitality Shift Podcast for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. Weekly, we will be interviewing amazing chiropractors from around the world, finding out how they made their vitality shift. If you're a chiropractor that either wants to just move your practice away from treating pain and conditions, or if you just want to stay inspired, this podcast is for you. For more information on past shows, please visit www.drdonmcdonald.com, and I hope you enjoy the show. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Vitality Shift Podcast for Chiropractors. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and I'm happy to bring another episode uh, to you all across the world. And uh, my next guest, he uh, he's he's an amazing uh, person to hang out with. Uh, we've had the pleasure to work with him this year um, with some one-on-one work. And uh, his story is so inspiring that I want to share it with all of you. Uh, he's been in practice for 46 years. He's a graduate of Palmer College Chiropractic. Uh, and he still loves learning at his young whippersnapper age. And uh, I think he can be a great example for all of us chiropractors out there that you're never, you're never been in practice long enough to stop learning. So I want to welcome Dr. Claire Heisman to, uh, to the podcast. Welcome, sir. Hello, Don. Thank you. It's a, it's awesome. I can't wait to dig, dig into your story. Um, we only do this for about 30 minutes, so it's, it's going to be a little bit hard to cover 46 years of practice in 30 minutes, but we'll do the best we can. <laughs> okay. So, so let, let's just start a little bit off um, with you. How did you become a chiropractor in the first place? What, what kind of got you interested in this, this amazing profession? I was a student at University of Calgary studying archaeology and geology. I thought I was going to be a geologist. And then in the summer between terms, I got in a car accident right on Highway 2, just by Pinoca. Oh. And uh, I had horrible headaches after that. And nothing was helping. I did everything the medics told me to do. And when the drugs wore off, my headache was still roaring. And lucky for me, I met Dick Gerke, who still practices. Ah, yeah. And they, at a barbecue. And uh, I told him my story. And he said, he invited me to come and see him because he, he thought maybe he could help. So I went to see him, and right away it started to help. It was quite an amazing thing. And then after a few adjustments, I asked him, what are you doing and why? And he explained it to me, and it made it sound a lot of sense to me. And I asked him, well, how come those medics didn't refer me to you or do something like this? He says, well, they think what we're doing is kind of nutty and crazy. They don't really believe what we're doing. So that's changed over the years, but back then, that's what his answer was. And uh, I said, where do I learn how to do this? So he said, well, you got to go to Palmer College of Chiropractic in Davenport, Iowa. (laughs) So that was in August, and in January of 1973, I was a student at Palmer College. Wow. So it's just like your experience just switched your whole life right there. Yeah, I just felt like someone grabbed me by the scruff of the neck and said, here, go do this. We have enough geologists. We need more chiropractors. You want to hear, this is just funny. I didn't even know that, but you want to hear a funny story. Uh, Dr. Gerke actually went to elementary school with my dad. That's Oh, really? That's yeah. hilarious. So, Well, another, another cool thing, uh, Dick, you know, we ju- I just went to that AGM, the CCOA AGM in Red Deer of, what was it, the end of September? And Dick was there. And so we got to hug each other and reminisce. And it was the 50th anniversary in, in August, this past August, of my first chiropractic adjustment. So I reminded him of that. And every once in a while, I called Dick and just thank him for adjusting me. And 
you know, how many lives he's affected by giving me that one Atlas adjustment and changed my life. And it's affected a lot of people since then. Wow. That's cool. It's so that, that quote from BJ Palmer, eh? not knowing how far reaching something you do say or do will affect millions in the future. So that's, that's a, that's a good example of that quote right there. Yeah, exactly. So tell me, we, uh, Palmer, I went to Palmer too. So fellow Palmer alumni, tell me a little bit about what Palmer was like, uh, back when you went in 1973? Well, looking back, I guess it was kind of eccentric, right? Uh, There was lots of BJ sayings all over the walls and outside, and there was ivy-covered old ancient buildings, and it was really a cool place to be. And then they had that that big water, that like a swimming pool full of those huge, gigantic goldfish. I think they're called, I don't know what they're called, but they're big. (laughs) They're gigantic goldfish, that's good. (laughs) I don't know, but yeah. So it was really cool um, to be in Davenport, right on the Mississippi River. You could watch those barges go up and down the river all the time. I lived just a, just a few blocks from the campus. And I really, uh, the first summer there was kind of brutal. I wasn't used to the heat and the humidity. I was pretty sick that whole summer. I just had never been anything like that. <laughs> but I was, you know, and then, you know, several years later, I graduated and left and, and, uh, it was a really great experience. And you, and you meet people from all over, you know, and some of people were already accomplished in there. You know, there was PhDs in my class. There was a PhD in biochemistry from New Jersey. He dropped everything to become a chiropractor. There was a PhD in entomology. He was one of our instructors. He dropped everything and left Arizona, wherever he was teaching, to become a chiropractor. There was a surgeon from South America who dropped everything to become a chiropractor. It was really quite something. And then so many of our instructors were just one generation. They, they they were still had BJ hangovers, right? Because they were there with BJ. BJ had only been dead like 10 years when I got Bomber. So there was still a lot of the instructors there were still BJ accolades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was, this quackery stuff is, is, is pretty good. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It worked really well. Can you think back of a highlight when you're in school, like kind of a highlight, a fond, a fond memory that, that that you can reminisce back at? I guess going up and uh, my first class, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, Galen Price teaching philosophy. Like we got a lot of philosophy classes at Palmer. And I, I guess my f- first and fondest memory, my first class was the safety pin cycle. He drew the safety pin on the big, on the chalkboard, right? We didn't have whiteboards at chalkboard <laughs> and the safety pin cycle. And then he explained what chiropractic was. And I thought, wow, this is so simple. Why doesn't the whole world just get this? It's so simple. You know, <laughs> and everyone needs to see a chiropractor just to reconnect their brain and their body. Totally. Yeah. And then over the year, over those course, of the next few years, I, Got to visit with Dr. Price. And then another cool thing, now that I think of it, was uh, Clay Thompson was practicing in Davenport. You know, the inventor of the Thompson, the terminal yeah. point up table. Was just, there's been a lot of variation since. So I used to go and hang out with Clay Thompson. And, uh, you know, he he was uh, he would invite students to come over and, and hang out and watch him adjust or just talk chiropractic. But, so I thought that's kind of legendary, you know, to hang out with Clay Thompson and and get adjusted by him and have him show us how to use his table and adjust. It was, that was another neat thing. That's, that's amazing. So, so you get through, through Palmer and then uh, did you always know you were going to come back to Alberta? Yeah, I, I did. 
I, yeah. uh, I wasn't very adventurous back then. You know, it was a big step for me to go to Davenport. <laughs> so I came back to Alberta and came to a little place called Claire's Home, which is down here in southern Alberta. Yeah. And practiced there for about four years. And then I got the urge to go back to Red Deer. So then I went to Red Deer and ended up practicing in a little place called Lacombe, which isn't so little anymore. Yeah. Just north of Red Deer, about maybe 12 miles anyways. And then practiced there, raised my family there, practiced for a long time there, like 30 some years, maybe longer. Mm -hmm. And then I retired and my wife and I went on some church missions for a couple few years and then I came back and wanted to get back into practice so we moved to Lethbridge and started from scratch all over again <laughs> okay well let's unpack that we don't do that we zoomed through like 40 years of your life in, in like 10 seconds <laughs> so let's just go back uh, when because uh, I know how did like when you um tell me about the evolution of just like chiropractic and some of your mentors as you're going through practice. So like in the first like five or 10 years with, cause I know you did some teaching with activator and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So Arlen fur was pretty instrumental because I used to go to Parker all the time when I started practicing. Nice. And I, um, and so that was in Jimmy Parker was still alive, obviously. Yeah. And then I met Arlen fur and I was really intrigued with the activator. I thought it was a really nice, tool to have and so i really got into activator for a while became uh, not one of those instructors that stands in the front of the room but i was called a like a, a workshop instructor when he would come to when arlen would bring activator to calgary i would be one of those helpers that stood by the table and, and helped with that so i really got into that and then i uh, then some other very influential people were like guy reekman and joe felicia with renaissance yes and that really spoke to me. I mean, it still does, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think all sort of patient or uh, chiropractic mentors are sort of offshoots of Joe Felicia and Guy Reekman. And so that, that was very instrumental in helping me really maintain a focus on what I was doing as a chiropractor and what I was offering people as, with my version of chiropractic care. Mm -hmm. And so I stuck with that and I still, still kind of stick with that philosophy. I mean, I've been with you and Brandy and other mentors and, and, you know, all kind of the same, sort of, but just a little different flavor, you know, reunite, just connecting the brain and the body and, you know, treating, treating people as people that deserve all of our intention and attention when they're there. Now, when you're in practice in, in Lacombe, um, what, what was it that precipitated like retiring? Like, did, did you just want to travel and did you think you'd come, you'd come back out of retirement before, or did you think you were done or? I didn't think I was done. What I, you know, often you hear, especially in a real practice, often you'll hear older people say, you know, Joe and I, we've worked on the farm for all these years and our dream was to sell the farm and retire and go retire and travel. And then Joe got sick or Mary got sick. So my wife and I decided, you know, we were pretty involved in our church and we wanted to do these missions. And we thought it would be a better idea to go sooner than later while we still had our health. Yeah. Because that was a really big, that was like number one on our bucket list was to drop everything and, and go serve some missions. Mm -hmm. So serving in, in South America for 18 months and then New York City for 18 months. And then when we got back, we were still, I was still too young to just hang out and not do anything. 
And I guess I just didn't finish. I didn't feel like my mission as a chiropractor had been totally fulfilled or finished yet. So uh, I didn't want to go back to central Alberta because I didn't like the winters there. I, I just been, <laughs> <That's yeah. who> <laughs> I, I just spent three years on missions where the winters were a lot better. Right. And, uh, and we always liked Lethbridge when we came down here to visit our son and our grandchildren. So we just chose to come back to Lethbridge. Well, let's let's talk about that a bit about uh, starting from scratch uh, after because then you're you're out. You said five years, right? That you're off. Where well, you're three years, and then yeah. So in between in between the South America mission and the New York mission, there was about a year in there, and then I I, I um, requalified to practice in Alberta. So I spent a year practicing around here in Lethbridge in preparation to go on another mission, mm-hmm. and so. But all together with that, between retiring and going on two missions and sort of part-time practice, it'd been about four years, five years. Yeah, and I think that's really good because I think a lot of chiropractors, like for us, for well, we're not going to open a new practice, I don't think. Like, we're, we got another about five don't years. Do it. Don't do it. <laughs> well, that's what we're going to get into a bit. We, once you take a break and you go somewhere else, you know, you've kind of had the bulk of your uh, profession, but you still want to practice. Uh, tell me a little bit about, like the realization when you, cause I think you said you thought it would be a little bit easier than it was when you, when you opened up this new practice and it's what been five, it's been five years now since in the new yeah, six years. Yeah. What, six years. Yeah. So just tell the listeners a little bit about that. Cause sometimes people are like, Hey, I just want to like just sell my practice and then move somewhere and start another practice from scratch. That's really hard. You know, I was really naive, you know, a lot of changed and I don't know what happened. Something in the water or the mentality. I just thought it'd be a lot easier. Yeah. It's not. It wasn't. It's still not easy. I'm still, you know, I just thought I was so naive. I thought that in a, I thought it, that in a few years, I'd have it ramped up again. Yeah. But it's, it's not happening like that. You know, it's, it's up and down. It's frustrating, but it's not frustrating not to do it because I yeah. still really like doing it. So now people come in and ask me, well, when are you going to retire? And I say, well, when it's not fun anymore and when it's not thrilling. Then I'll retire. So despite all the sort of the, the heartache and the frustration, and you, and you hit your head and say, what the hell have I done? You know, because, you know, what am I doing? You have to have a really, you have to have a really big purpose. Yes. You know, bigger than retirement. Right. Someday I will retire, but not till I'm done. Totally. Yeah. And so I just want to build it up because it's just so much fun. And it's so, it's so rewarding to help people. Uh-huh. And that's the bottom line. You just want to help people. And uh, so I'm always working on things. I'm always working on my attention span and my intention span. I think there's a great deal, you know, it's all about your intention. What, when you lay your hands on somebody, what is your intention to, for that moment? Uh-huh. Like everything else should disappear uh-huh. right there. Tell me, tell me a little bit about like um, I know when you had start the practice up again, and then you, you said you kind of got like um, distracted a little bit and kind of got pulled a little bit towards the pain, the, the pain yeah. base part of it, and then and then you wanted to kind of pull it back in um, into like kind of the, the bigger picture of chiropractic more than pain. Maybe just tell the listeners a little bit about that process because through our career, depending on what's going on in our life, we always go through ebb and flows. Yeah. Life. Well. I didn't get too far into the pain that mm. like, no. but you can never forget that that's why people most of the time come to see you. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to make them wrong. 
Mm-hmm. But you have to have a bigger picture. There's a reason they're hurting. Mm-hmm. And so you have to you have to kind of put that in context for them. But I got too far into the pain stuff. Yeah. And now I'm out of that. But I still realize that pain's the reason they're there, yeah. honestly. Mm-hmm. They're not there for chiropractic philosophy. And, and they're there. They have a problem and we have a solution. Mm-hmm. And if they have a problem that I don't have a solution for, then I refer them out to somebody. Because, you know, my business model isn't to treat everybody that walks in the door. But my business model is to make everyone that walks into my door make sure that they feel understood, that I've heard them, and that either I have a solution or I don't. So most of the time I do. But, you know, sometimes they just need to see somebody else first. You know, if they're, if you're, I remember uh, James Chestnut said, you know, if your house is on fire, you don't call the carpenter or the electrician, you call the fire department. And so some people are on fire and they need to go, they need to go to the fire department first. And then come and see us to get that repaired. So, so I don't know. So, yes, I, I've got away from the pain model. I still keep pain here because that's why they're there. But I want, I would really like for that person to see the, the uh, make the distinction between, well, they're in pain, but where does that pain come from? Why is it there? Why is it so long? Why is it not going away? Mm-hmm. And then if I do this chiropractic stuff, it sounds like it's going to go away. So just get them to stay long enough for it to go away. Cause there are some people respond really fast and, you know, some people take a couple months to really resolve stuff. And so we offer care plans now, which is I never did when I first started. Why don't you tell that? That was a crazy story. When we were working with you and uh, about, about just the apprehension around a care plan. And, and you, and you finally, I remember when you'd said that it was the first care plan that you'd recommended in, in your, your surprise. Yeah. Well, I always thought in, Care plans implied that they would be 100%. And I was a fear of failure. What if I make a care plan and they're not feeling 100% by after X number of treatments or by three months or whatever? And then you helped me realize, and other mentors too, have helped me realize that care plans are just an initial phase. You're looking for an improvement over. And then with a care plan, you make it just a little bit more affordable for them. And then you also you also give them a bigger picture that it's not the chiropractic is not an event it's a process, and so the care plans really help to make you sound more like an authority, make you sound more like you know what you're doing, you know, like you like an orthodontist would wouldn't do braces on his and just say we'll come back tomorrow, come back Wednesday, you know they say well these are going to take I don't know how long it takes for braces to kick in but you know. Four years. It's different than pulling a tooth. So the so when I latched onto that and got that care plan model in my brain, it's just a lot easier to do care plans. You're not guaranteeing anything. You're just saying this is what it's going to cost this initial phase to get some work done here to undo what's happened over the course of your life. And if it's an injury and, and they're pretty good, well, then maybe the care plan's shorter or longer, depending on the circumstance. Yeah, I know. And I think that's, that's a huge thing. And, and it, and it really does anytime you're doing a project of any size, um, it doesn't, usually you have a plan. Yeah. <laughs> I just had a practice member just like last week and he was just frustrated because he'd gone to a few different chiropractors and they were just like, um, and, and again, 
you, you get a little challenged because they claim they're evidence-based, but they're, they're just telling them to come when they're in pain, but they have no plan. And then the practice member kind of feels like disillusioned or does it like, like, am I, like, so they say, well, you come back when you feel like it. And he's like, well, I came here because I would like to get recommendations because I'm not, I, I'm not the expert. So, so it's, it's kind of like, I think in the old days, people thought like a care plan would be like, you have to sign them up for a year of care and it's very rigid and all that stuff. But just as you mentioned, not only our communication needs to be more flexible because we know a lot of them come in in pain. So we're, we're honoring the whole spectrum, but we're, we're kind of going across the bridge to where they're at in their framework of chiropractic. And then we're just leading them to a different possibility in the future. But yeah, I think that's a big shift with, as far as care plans go, that people appreciate a plan. Yeah, they, they want to have a, a picture. They, they might not choose to do the plan once they find out. What, how much how much it's going to cost or how long it is they might just go what I call out of card you know but at least you, you've done your part all you can do is your part and then take no responsibility or offense for what they choose to do yes and I think in the past and I used to do this too when I was first in practice is I would already pre pre-thinking of what they wanted to do and then I would take away the option of a care plan and I would actually limit their chiropractic future because I already thought that they might not accept what my recommendations would be. But I think yeah. that's, that's not up for me. That's not for me to decide that's for them, but they need the information first. Yeah. You know, patients want leadership. They they've come to with a problem they want leadership. And so our job is to lead them. Part of our job is to lead them, give them a sensible, make sense idea. Cause most of the time when you present these plans, they kind of shake their head. Yeah. You know, because we ask them, well, part of our consultation is we ask them, do you have any idea, have you thought about what your goals, expectations, and vision are? Is first for relief and then for to get real tangible results so that this thing either doesn't come back or comes back way more, excuse me, it's my wife. And uh, anyway, so relief versus tangible results the underlying cause is really dealt with and most of the time they don't they don't have an idea or they think it takes way longer than you would the plan right and and everyone knows there's a process my my tease some of my practice members sometimes in saying the only thing i can do one time that lasts forever is cut your finger off yeah pretty much right. everything else needs to be a process whether it's eating properly exercising grooming cutting your yeah. hair like <laughs> pretty much anything is going to be that process yeah, that's a really that's a really really cool shift. Uh, the other thing we wanted to chat a little bit about was uh, a little bit about technique and uh, and tell me a little bit about your journey as far as technique goes because I know um, at one of our last seminars you'd said how uh, you kind of you got a little bit away of from like feeling. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, tell that story. I came out of Palmer with the Palmer package, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, a version of Diversified and some Gonstead. Yeah. And then I always kept that. And then I got into Activator. So I have, so I have a big toolkit now. After totally. all these, I got into upper cervical work for a while. So I really appreciate and understand what the upper cervical guys are doing. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I think one time you mentioned you have the Dan McDonald or the Don McDonald technique. Well, now I have the Claire Heisman technique. You yes. Know, so you yes. got all stuff. And... Um, Basically, when I put my hands on somebody, they're supine on the table. I'm putting my hands on their on their occiput and their sacrum. 
and I'm just pretending I'm just a radar screen and say, what has to happen today? Yes. And it's sort of a prayer. It's sort of a meditation. I'm just sitting there for a moment, and hopefully they're not talking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just go from there. That's and, and that's and that's just different before like before you kind of got into that where you just kind of going right to like leg checks and stuff or yeah 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 that's right yeah. And it was really yeah that's right but now it's not so much that it's more what do I feel has to be done and just like you and any other person that's been in practice well you know you'll put your hand or your finger on a spot and they say how did you know it hurt there and I say I don't know. I've just been doing this a long time. I got radar in my hands. Totally. And and I think that's the thing with, with uh, chiropractic techniques is a lot of chiropractors still, they kind of like live and die by a technique, but they don't realize that the person who created that technique used a bunch of techniques and then created their own technique. But I think we need those mechanics to learn a tech, to learn a technique, to kind of learn our skill. Just like if you're a golfer, you, you got to kind of learn to swing with your elbow in and all that. And, and once you've done it enough, then you start to actually add creativity into your toolbox and yeah. adaptable. That's where the art comes, right? Mm-hmm. That we have the philosophy, the science, and the art. So maybe the science is really being an advocate of a specific technique or a few techniques. Right. But then the art comes of how, you, how do you use that paint and that brush to create a masterpiece in this patient in front of you. Mm-hmm. So that's my idea on technique. That's, that's amazing. No, I love that. Now, another thing, being in practice this long and, and really keeping your focus up, what are some of your self-rituals you do to kind of keep yourself lasered in? Like, do you have a ritual before practice or do you have a weekly one? Or, or what do you do to kind of keep yourself focused? I read. Uh, I, uh, every day I sit down and write what I'm going to eat. I write down three or four things that I'm grateful for. And I write down a couple of things I want to do in the office that day as far as, you know, CEO, as the CEO of my business, what am I going to do today? to grow the practice or stay on focus. I read a lot of Wayne Dyer on intention and excuses. And I'm reading one now uh, by Benjamin Hardy on being your future self. That's a really great book. I, I, I recommend it to everybody. And uh, it's about, and then why do I want to, and then I focus and I go to the gym like four or five days a week because I want to be a good example. When people come in, they should see someone who's looking fairly healthy, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that takes their, 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 their health seriously. And I try how, to get, I was just say, how old are you? I'll be 72 in December. 72. Yeah. Young whippersnapper in good. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, uh, I'm on a push up program now. I'm going to, you know, in six months, I'm going to be able to do 50 push ups nonstop. Nice. I'm working on that. And I read a lot. Um, I just read stuff and find out how I can apply it in practice mm-hmm. and how it, how it applies to my health, my family's health, and what can I do to affect the health of the people that come to see me. Mm, that's awesome. I think we can all learn from that because that's, that's super important to keep focused. Now, I always love this question. If you can sit back in time, you have a time machine and you can zip back to your younger self when you're in your, say, 17 to 20-year-old. Yeah. And you had an opportunity to give yourself, your younger self, some advice. What, what, do you, what would you like to tell young, young Claire? Well, take life more seriously. Don't be so nonchalant and think that uh, everything is just going to fall into your lap because you're just a good person. You know, yeah. be, re- be really intentional about what you want to do. 
And if uh, lucky for me, you know, I, I was wandering around in geology, but I had this powerful experience in chiropractic. And I don't know what set that up, how that happened, but I'm glad it did. But if I could talk to the young Claire Heitzma, who's just graduated and started practice, mm-hmm. I would say, don't be so full of yourself and be more interested in what the person's telling you than what you want to tell them. Mm-hmm. That's good. Make- yeah. And, you know, because we all come out and, you know, chiropractic philosophy is going to change the world, but they're, they're not ready to hear that. Most people are there for the right reason, and the right reason is their reason. And so you want to, they're not there for my reason. I'm, my reason is to be there to help them with a the problem. Right. And focus on that. That's my intention. That's what I would tell the young Claire Heisman. Focus on helping that person who's in front of you. Make sure that they feel understood. You know, for instance, I had a guy here a couple months ago who's spent thousands of dollars for gut-like symptoms. And he came to me because he had a, he went to an acupuncturist and the acupuncturist go see a chiropractor because there's a bone out of place in your wrist. So he comes in and tells me about his wrist pain and all this gout pain. But the reason he came and accepted a plan for chiropractic care, not for his wrist, is because I listened to him. He said, you're the first doctor who's listened to me. And really, I think, understands what's going on. So I, I think you can help. And so we did, you know. And so really, really listen. I mean, really listen and understand why they're there and what, and what they really, really, really want. We, I call it a third essential. You know, we understand they hurt. And then we understand the emotion behind the pain. or how, But then we want to find out, how is it affecting your life? Where does it affect you the most? At home, at work, at play, what do you what in three or four months? What do you wish you were able to do that you can't do now as well as you'd like to? And then you assure them that that's what you want for them. You want them to be able to go play with their golf, their kids, or their golf, or whatever it is. So really, really listen to them because chiropractic works, and all you have to do is listen to people and find out what they want, and then do your best to give it to them. That's awesome. Well. That was uh, you did a very good job at, at summarizing your uh, your uh, forty six years uh, career in uh, less than thirty minutes. So good job. Okay, <laughs> there's still tons in there though. But I, I just I just really appreciate you taking the time out uh, to to just sharing your story with the listeners out here. And uh, and just in closing, any any words of wisdom that you'd like to give to the listeners out there? Yeah, just just listen to your patient especially that first visit when they're there, really listen, make sure they feel understood that, that they come away thinking, wow, this doctor really understands what's going on in my life. I think he can help. So really listen. That's it. No matter what, yeah, just really, really listen. Yeah, because I think we come out sometimes and we're so uh, eager to tell our, our our story about what chiropractic is or our philosophy that we uh, skip over some of that stuff too. So I think that that's a super, super important thing. Yeah, don't do that. Listen, right. find out what their story is. Let them pull you into their story. Yes. And then when you're excited about their story, they're also more likely to know, to be interested in your story. <laughs> don't appear too needy. I mean, we could go on another half an hour, but don't appear needy. You know, yes. You know, they do. Of course, we need to see patients, but don't appear needy. Don't appear needy and be really enthusiastic about the results they are going to get. Mm. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it, sir. Thank you, Don.
And to everybody <laughs> out there listening, um, yes, we can take some uh, lessons home from this uh, amazing legend in chiropractic who's been in practice for 46 years, probably more than some of you listening have even been alive. So uh, I, I want to thank him again for being on the podcast. And until next time, everyone, have a wonderful day. And until next time, shift on. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you've received value from this episode, please share this with a fellow chiropractor and take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever your favorite place is to listen to podcasts. If you're interested in learning more about our programs and events, please visit www.thevitalityshift.com or connect with me on Facebook. I would love to hear from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.